This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. The first ones of these are always just like short because like, what are you going to talk about? Nothing's happened yet. <laughs> well, you say that, but... <laughs> you make a fair point. You make a fair point. All right. This let's stupid just, fucking team. <laughs> Welcome to Checking Out the Competition. The triumphant return. First game of the season against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we are joined by... Alex, Pale Dragon from the Canon. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So I was just saying to you before we started recording, first game of the season, not really a lot to talk about, not really a lot happening. I mean, surely there's not been anything going on with the Columbus Blue Jackets the last couple of weeks, right? Like it's just been quiet preseason stuff, I'm imagining. This offseason feels like it was like a decade of things happening. Just... All all of the things happening. Yeah. For some reason, your team decided to do all of the things. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about those things. So first up, I guess most interesting to Flyers fans is probably the fact that now you are the proud owner of one Ivan Provorov. Congratulations. Yeah, um, yeah, proud is really the term to use there, isn't it? <laughs> he's a very proud boy from what I understand. Um, how how are you and I guess Jackets fans generally feeling about that move? I mean, I know he's an incredibly unlikable person, mm-hmm. um, just kind of generally. But in a hockey sense, is anyone excited about this move? Do you think it's going to improve the team? Or how do you feel about this addition? Well, I think it it is hard to separate the two things. Um and for a lot of people, it it is impossible, you know, for yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we've, you know, had a lot of commenters in our community, you know, that are that are in the queer community. And this is it's a big slap in the face to them. And it's not something that they're going to get over. And uh, I, I can't blame them for that. And as much as I would like to just focus on the hockey aspect of it, like, I have to recognize that, okay, maybe it doesn't affect me, but there are other people that it it does affect. And if it yeah. makes them feel less welcome at the games, that's a bad thing. Because I, I like to think that this is a sport that can, or really any sport can bring a community together. No matter what your background is, we can all root for this team together. And this sort of highlights the fact that, you know, sometimes people aren't as welcome. And so, yeah, it, it was a move that I was upset about. I didn't want to have to deal with that, you know, at least with Philadelphia, like when you drafted Provorov, you know, no one knew that this was going to happen. You know, that's not your fault, but the jackets bought that baggage knowing what it is. Um, and that's, that's an issue and that's a problem. Um, I had a friend text me that he was at one of the preseason games that Provorov played in. And he said that, yeah, whenever his name was announced, there was a smattering of booze. And that was in a, you know, yeah. half filled arena for a preseason game on a weeknight. Um, I'm going to the opener and I'm with a packed house. I'm curious to hear what kind of reaction there is because they typically, you know, introduce every single player on the team. So right. we'll see how that goes. Um, now, as for the the hockey aspect, 
I understood why the trade got made. This was a really, really bad defense last year. Now, injuries certainly put it apart, especially Zach Wierenski getting injured against Philadelphia in November. Um, but then you had a defense that was largely like Andrew Peak and Eric Branson, and then a bunch of AHLers, and the results were what you'd expect. So I think Yarmo realized that just getting healthy was not going to be enough, that he needed to make more aggressive moves to get this team a lot better quicker. And Provorov fits the bill. And, you know, LA retains some salary. So he's making like, I think it's like a four and a half million cap hit, something like that. So reasonable for a second pair guy. He's going to be just a second pair guy here. He's not going to have to carry the defense like he was expected to do in Philadelphia the last couple of years. So, right. uh, and I think he's a guy that, you know, I know from listening to BS, BSH radio and stuff that he had been a malcontent way before the pride night thing. Yeah. So I think a new, you know, change of scenery is going to be good for him. He seems to be content here. He's open for the new opportunity and all that. And from what I've seen in preseason, like just on the ice. Yeah. He's, he's a good player and he's what we need. He is um, calm and stable and not just not someone to have to be worried about. Like he's on the ice, like he's going to do his job and it's going to be fine. And having that kind of, depth of experience and talent in the defense uh, makes me feel a lot better than I did last season. Yeah. I mean, kind of as a Flyers fan, I'm kind of interested to see how this develops because as you said, he, he was not very well liked even before he revealed himself to be a a total dickhead. Um, And most of that was because he had a reputation for being like something of a diva, like, Mm -hmm. um, he was never particularly good on the power play, but from what we heard, they couldn't take him off the power play because if they took him off power play one, he would have a, a little hissy fit and, you know, mess up the locker room or, I, I don't know, like cause trouble or whatever. Right. And as you said, he was expected to carry the defense in Philadelphia. He was meant to be our number one defenseman, and he never really lived up to that. So I'm interested to see if, he embraces the idea of not being the guy, like if he can accept. Yeah. Like there there was always like the comparisons to Rowanski. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can accept that now definitively you are a step below this guy. And can he kind of like get over himself a little bit and contribute in a lesser role? Because I do kind of think that if he had been a second pair defenseman here from the jump, it probably would have been a different story for him in Philadelphia. I do think that the, the number one defenseman label given to him so early may have inflated his ego. It may have been too much pressure. It may, I don't think he's actually Mm -hmm. good enough to be a number one. So there is like a whole bunch of stuff that really, I think led to him not working here, but um, yeah, Yeah, it'll and that's where I think the the change of scenery helps because mm-hmm. there's when you're with the team that drafted you, there's going to be that baggage of, oh, I was a top 10 pick. Yeah. And the team's going to feel like, well, this is a top 10 pick of ours. Like, it's so important that those players work out. So you stick with them longer. You put them yeah. in a bigger role. You really want them to do well. And it also means like, yeah, he would maybe feel entitled to being the top guy because he was the highest picked player on the defense there and longest tenured at this point and and all that. Whereas now in Columbus, I mean, that team giving up on you by trading you, that's, 
a humbling thing, right? Saying like, we don't want you. We yeah. are, at, you know, not getting a ton in return in terms of like current players. Like we're trading you for parts, you know, they kind of like one player for a bunch of pieces. Like, and, yeah. um, and then he's coming to a place where, like you said, this is Wierenski's defense. Wierenski mm-hmm. is a leader on the team. He's on a long-term contract, beloved in the community. Like you're not the guy. He's the guy. He's a proven power play guy. Now, Provorov, to my surprise, has been playing on the second power play unit. Um, so he is getting a little bit of that time. He is, appears that to be like, for him. yeah, the top penalty killer. Um, and we, we have enough interesting forwards that even the second power play unit can be productive, hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think he needs a position here that, that he can thrive in if he can accept it. And the other important thing about him, and, and one thing that I can sort of swallow with this is that he only has two years remaining on his contract. Mm-hmm. And I believe that he is just a placeholder. We have some young prospects coming up on the left side of the defense. Uh, Denton Matejchuk is one who, honestly, I thought in camp that he played well enough to earn a spot. But he's 19 years old. He's got to go back to the WHL. And but I think he showed that like he is ahead of schedule from what I thought. So like next fall, Matejchuk's going to make the roster. So at that point, the Jackets could flip Provorov. Then I think the latest he'll be on the team would be the trade deadline in 2025. Um, and then, you know, if he plays well, the best case scenario is if he plays well, that helps the team do well. And then it helps his value that the Jackets can recoup what they paid to get him. And if he rehabs his image here now, he's probably not going to do that on the whole pride night stuff, but at least show that he could be a good teammate or a better teammate and a better player. Then in 2025, when he hits free agency, he's going to be what, you know, 28 years old. If he's coming off a couple good seasons for maybe a team that is hopefully, you know, turning things around. Trending, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be able to cash in somewhere on the free agency market. So there's extra incentive there. I I think we've seen a lot of times in history where there's guys that are in their walk year or needing to, you know, play well to get a contract. And uh, I think he's in that boat. Yeah, it would really behoove him to, A, stop being such a dickhead so everyone Mm -hmm. hates him, and B, you know, focus on being the best possible player that you can be and focus less on ensuring that you are the big man in the locker room. And I think he's probably going to have to do that there. So the other um, small bit of news, I (laughs) guess, related to the Blue Jackets was the whole Mike Babcock debacle, which I would imagine as a Jackets fan, at least if I were in your shoes, while the way it played out was like, weird and obviously Mm -hmm. not good in the end this is probably the best possible thing that could have happened because you never had to deal with mike babcock actually coaching your hockey team that's true Uh, that could be the case here certainly yeah maybe it's less chaotic than if it happened in the season but certainly having the coach step down like three days before training camp started is, ideal. Yeah, is definitely ideal. not ideal at all. Uh, such a weird situation and should have been foreseen. Honestly, like he is who he is at this point. He's not going to change his stripes. Now this is not necessarily what, how I expected things to go wrong there. I expected it to be a more sort of obvious abuse thing of him just being an angry asshole. But yeah, I didn't expect him to be like 
taking players' phones and flipping through them. Like, no, it's, we, yeah, it's we got so like the, weird. the <laughs> so fun, the fun new wrinkle where like not only is he like physically and emotionally abusive, he's also like a little bit of a psychopath, like a little bit of an actual crazy person. Um, yeah, he's not normal. <laughs> some real insidious shit. Like, I, I just, I think about it a lot. Like, I cannot imagine going into work and my boss being like, I would like to see all of the photos in your phone right now. Yeah. uh, What? And one of the reports is truly psychotic, which was that he apparently was meeting with one of the younger players on the team. We don't exactly know who, although based on where this happened, we could maybe narrow it down. But it was at Babcock's house in the Detroit area. And we've got a number of players, obviously, that spend their summers in that area. And Mm -hmm. so it's framed as like, oh, hey, let's let's meet up to, you know, introduce ourselves, get to know each other. Oh, come over to the house. We'll have lunch. So the player shows up at his house. Babcock does the thing of, let me see your phone. I want to see who you are. Flips through the phone, then hands the phone back to him and excuses it. And like, no, no lunch. No lunch served. No lunch. Make a freaking sandwich, like pour him some lemonade. Like, what are you doing? Like a peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Have some chips out or something. Like, you would psychotic. probably make your yeah. wife do it anyway. Like, yeah. just have a sandwich made when you get... Yeah, it, it really is, like... The stuff that came out after this went down, like, we already knew he was just a, a terrible person, generally. But this was just, like, another side of just, like, fucking crazy. That, and he and he knew. Yeah. He kept saying in all the, the press interviews and stuff that... He knew that he had to change. He knew he had to do things differently than he did before. And he talked about how, oh, yeah, we need to work on, you know, mental health's importance and communication. And I know sometimes that what I say doesn't get taken the right way. So, like, when the thing first came out, I first of all, I wasn't going to believe it because it was coming from Paul Bizanet and the way he framed it was was not right. Uh, and I thought, like, and then based on, like, what Boone Jenner said, now, like, look, I don't want to trust, like, Babcock and I don't want to trust Paul Bizanet, but, like, if Boone Jenner's coming out and saying something, then you oh, would think. Yeah. I trust Boone Jenner. And I thought like, oh, I'm sure this is maybe something that was innocent, but awkward. You know, if he wanted to just like, oh, we're having a conversation about our, you know, our personal lives and stuff and our, oh, our families and where you want a vacation and all that. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Show me a picture of your, your dog or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that would seem fine to me. That doesn't seem to be crossing a line, but it appears that as they dug deeper, that, there were players where it did cross that line into being something that was more forceful. And, you know, so I don't know if it's a, you know, a question where players misinterpreted what he was doing, or if it's a case where he was treating the rookies different than the veterans. So Boone Jenner, yeah. Zach Wierenski, Johnny Goudreau, he was not pulling this with them. And that's, that's bully behavior. The bully is not going to go after those guys. He's yeah. going to go after the ones who have less power. And that's, you can't have that. Yeah. So who's your coach now? Pascal Vincent, um, who uh, had been an assistant for the last two years under Brad Larson, um, which that part is concerning because Larson was also an internal promotion and he sucked at it. Mm. So uh, I worry about like how many times are you going to do the same thing and just... right. The, uh, there was a process that hired Larson and that didn't work out. And then there was a process that hired Babcock and that clearly wasn't in depth enough. Now, Vincent is a guy that has a pretty good reputation 
in hockey circles is a guy that was seen for a long time as, oh, this guy is going to be an NHL coach in the future. Um, he had been in the queue for like 12 years coaching and being a GM and then was in the Winnipeg organization for about 10 years, first as an assistant in the, at the NHL, and then there's their AHL head coach. Um, so he interviewed for the head job here in 2021, didn't get it, but the Jackets liked him enough to say, hey, we want you to be the associate coach. Okay. And, and he interviewed again this summer, which again, I was like, wait, why is he, why are you interviewing an internal idea again when the team's yeah. been so bad? Like, make a clean break. But right. um, they gave it to Babcock. When Yarmo had said like, oh, well, you know, actually, if we'd been able to interview him in person in 2021, rather than just Zoom, because he was in Canada and COVID and stuff, like, oh, we probably would have hired him then. It's like, that's that's not better. That doesn't... What? Yeah. That's, yeah, that doesn't make uh, it better. So speaking... So, yeah, okay. and beca- yeah, because the whole then the timing of the Babcock thing, which is so weird, gives us contract with Toronto, and get nothing is normal about this team. No. Anyway, so they kept on the assistant coaches. They did change the, the goalie coach, but otherwise the assistants stayed the same, so... Babcock just inherited those guys. Um, and so maybe a silver lining here is that those that two months that Babcock was on the job that he gave his, you know, outside opinion on what this roster was like and brought in some new things schematically that could do better. So we will see how much of Babcock is in this system mm. and how much is maybe stuff that Vincent would have wanted to do, but was overruled by Larson. You know, we'll see how much he's his, his own man here. So, and is it an interim tag or is he the guy? He is, he is the guy They gave him okay. a, so he was coming in. I think one reason why they didn't change the staff is that those guys still had a year left on their contract. Like mm. Larson did. And I think ownership's kind of cheap. So, uh, but they did give Vincent a new two year contract. So, which is, Babcock had a two-year contract. Now Vincent has a two-year contract. They just uh, just today they re-upped all the other assistants on the staff, so they're all in this two-year time frame, which also lines up with Yarmo's contract. So that's what I th- wanted to ask you. This were this you, has to work. Yeah. Were you surprised when all of this blew up in such <laughs> a disastrous and public way that? Yarmo suffered zero consequences. Disappointed, but not surprised. Okay. Um, And I've, I've long been a Yarmo defender. I feel like for even some things that have gone wrong, that generally Moore has done right. And um, he's got a good eye for talent team building though, that, you know, it's maybe questionable. Um, This was finally the last straw for me where, just after everything that went down this summer like this. Yeah. I, I, I he's on very thin ice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think ownership is close on this closer than they ever have been. They released a statement after the whole Babcock thing, just expressing that they were very disappointed, um, saying that they didn't anticipate any further changes at this time because they said, Oh, you know, we have goals for the season and, you know, we still think that those can be achieved. And so, but what I read that as, okay, if this team doesn't win a lot more this season, yeah. then, then someone, you know, heads are going to roll here at the, at the management level. And uh, I think, yeah, if, if that's the case, if this team isn't way better then that will be deserved. 
Okay, so let's get into what this team looked like last year. 25-48-9. and mm-hmm. One of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, good year to be a bad team. Um, True. <laughs> as far as drafting goes. But, um, yeah, it seemed like some of these moves that they made over the summer, the the Provorov run one and stuff, the Babcock hire, I think, in a vacuum kind of speaks to like Babcock's not a rebuilding coach. He's not a development coach. Right. Like this is a guy that you bring in because you're expecting the team to turn a corner quick. Correct. And you mentioned that there were a ton of injuries. It was honestly a very remarkable <laughs> number of injuries. It was, yeah. it was pretty wild how almost like the entire roster, it seems like for you guys was pretty injured much, last yeah. season. And it, it also seemed like since that happened kind of early on, it seemed like people started getting hurt. The team kind of was like, all right, well, it's going to be like this and just yeah. kind of leaned into being a bad team because, again, not a bad year to be a bad team. Right. Um, given that all of the signs point to management expecting this team to have the potential to turn into something at least competitive mm-hmm. pretty quickly, do you expect heading into this season that this is going to be a much better Blue Jackets team? Yeah, absolutely. I think this team is much better set up. I um on my pod this week I compared the expected opening day roster this year to last season's opening roster, which again was before everyone got hurt. And there's a lot of overlap, but the changes that are there are big changes. So to be able to replace like Vladislav Gavrikov and then one of like Jake Beaner, Adam Boquist with Provorov and Severson and to hopefully play guys like Andrew Peak and Erica Branson in smaller roles, lesser minutes. Like that's an upgrade um, adding Adam Fantilli in there that, you know, makes the center depth so much better. Uh, Kirill Marchenko, who didn't have a great preseason in his first year in North America last year, had to go to the AHL for a couple months. But once he came up to the NHL, he was amazing. He had 20 goals in 56 games or something like that. Like a great, a great scorer there. So there's a lot of, there's improvement there. Alexander Texier is back. That's a player that I like a lot as a depth guy. So there, this team should be a lot better on paper. There is more talent in place than there was last season, even when healthy. Where would you say the, the weak spot is on this roster? It's got to be goaltending. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Elvis Merzlikens has had a rough go of it. Um, can't stay healthy, and when he's healthy, he has struggled. Last year was his worst season uh, in his NHL career, and it's there's just no there's no other way to say it. Like the t- he has to be better, and the team's kind of stuck with him because he's got four years left on his contract. So you can't trade him, you can't send him down. He's just got to be better, and I think that's why. Mm-hmm it was so important that Yarmo addressed the defense this offseason because he knew that one way to make it easier for Elvis is to make the team in front of him better. And so I think this defense should help. And one thing that Babcock talked about that I liked and that I hope Vincent keeps is that by having a better defensive structure, Elvis has some idea of where the shots are coming from and can be prepared yeah. for it, which... That seems so obvious. I'm wondering <laughs> what the hell Brad Larson was doing. 
and, and the defense does look better in preseason. There is a much better structure there. Elvis, mm-hmm. though, still had his shaky moments. Now, his last start was his best start, so that's encouraging. Um, he's still making some saves, but there's, you know, one or two soft goals that he lets in every game, with, which I think we can stand if the offense can can score. But if they can't, then I don't think we're winning a lot of defensive battles. I mean, on paper, this looks like an offense that should score, right? Like this, you guys got some guys. Yeah, if, well, if they are played the right way, whereas, you know, last year there were times where Larson was sending out the Sean Corrali checking line for, you know, 18 minutes a night and giving them offensive zone starts and like, what can, what? Oh, you love an NHL coach. What are we doing? (laughs) Like, oh, Jesus. Uh, But if you give the star players the most minutes and this looks like a team that could have, you know, three legit scoring lines. And if, you know, a different line each night could be the go-to line and same thing with the top two defensive pairs. And we've got guys on defense that can also contribute offensively. Um, Wawrenski, Severson, mm-hmm. and even Provorov, uh, he He's seems to, for- he moves the puck really well, which is important. This team is, I think going to be better at getting the puck out of the zone and, and that can help the offense a lot as well, obviously. So uh, yeah, they were scoring pretty well in preseason you know, couldn't necessarily hold the lead, but they could at least get a lead. And, uh, and, and I can accept this team being bad if they're at least fun. You know, if your team is bad and they're not scoring and obviously, yeah, you know what that's like, but you know, two years ago, the jackets weren't a great team, but they were like just a little bit below 500, but they scored a ton. And Hey, that's great. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. If your team's going to be shitty, at least make it enjoyable to watch. Yeah, That's a small ask, I think, but we (laughs) hardly ever get it. Um, so in preseason, has there been anybody that you have kind of been like surprised by that maybe you didn't expect, maybe anybody that you didn't expect to make the roster or somebody that maybe wasn't very good last season that kind of impressed you a little bit? Any surprises heading into the start of the year? Yeah, one player like that could be um, Emil Bemstrom, who is a prospect that has largely failed to tap into his potential. He's a guy that was a you know, teenage sniper in Sweden, but has never been able to quite create that same shot in North America. He had a really good preseason two years ago and then got hurt right before the season started. Um, and has, that's kind of derailed things, but he's had another good preseason this time. He made the roster. Uh, this is kind of his last shot, I think, to really stick around. Um, he's developed sort of the the 200 foot side of the game. So he's not a liability if he's not shooting, but hopefully he gets the chance to shoot a bit and, you know, maybe play with a guy like, you know, Fantilli or, or with Texier that can, that can get him the puck. I think the other big surprise offensively is um, Patrick line. Not that he's good offensively, but that he's playing center now. Oh, which is interesting. It's bizarre. Uh, this, so this started back in the spring there was a time where Larson was away from the team to attend to a personal matter. So Vincent was the interim coach and the team of course was, you know, riddled with injuries. Boone Jenner was hurt. Cole Sillinger had been sent down to the AHL. So they needed a center that could actually play on a top line and line a, even though he like, not even as a kid, was he playing center? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do that. So they gave him two games. He actually played pretty well. And then he got hurt. And then, so with Vincent taking over, they're like, Hey, you were the coach that put line a at center. 
is that a possibility? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, maybe. And it's something that Line A wants to do. Vincent, I think, sees it as a way of getting Line A more engaged in the game and more willing to do the defensive parts of it. And it gives him a guy that is a big guy, a fast guy, good with the puck. Um, It just, it makes it a better matchup against other top lines and another weapon to defend. And it's the crazy thing is it in preseason, it's really working. I did. Yeah. I didn't like the idea conceptually, but like, I can't argue with the results. He's usually been playing with, uh, like Johnny Gaudreau and Kirill Marchenko. Okay. And like, that's a line that can score in a lot of different ways. And those are so, three good players. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, again, I don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, obviously we want Adam Fantilli to be the one C at some point, but if he and line a are the ones on the top two lines, sure. <laughs> Whatever works. I'll, I'm willing to try it. I'm really interested to see this because I, <laughs> I mean, as like a casual Patrick line, a watcher mm-hmm. for his entire career, I have always thought of him as like the finishing guy. I never would yeah. have thought of him as the setup guy. So that is yeah, well, that's been a he's kind of a he's low key good at that. And when he we okay. traded for him, that's what like our Winnipeg friends are like. He is a low key great passer. He just doesn't get okay. the attention for that. But and that's important too because teams are going to defend his shot. But then if right. he can dish it, that's useful. Yeah. So his puck skills great. Um, he actually has been, I don't think people realize how good he has been the last two years because he dealt with injuries. He missed a lot of time. He only played 50 some games each season, but he's been like a point per game guy, both of those seasons. So if he can stay healthy, I think he can have, he can put up some really big numbers and his attitude is different too. He was kind of aloof when he first got here yeah, and he's got very kind of a dry sense of humor, but he seems to be very comfortable here now. The teammates like him. Of all the veterans, he's the one that reached out to Adam Fantilli and said, hey, do you need a place to crash? Huh. So for like a month this summer, Fantilli and Line A were roommates. <laughs> so roommates are my favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. They're always such a weird combo. And then like the first preseason game, they were actually playing on the same wing together, the same line together. Line A was on Fantilli's wing and and they were like, they were scoring and they were like joking around on the bench and like so it's nice to see that there's also that good personal yeah, connection yeah. There, not just on the ice so this is a totally different line he's super engaged and uh i think that bodes well for the season that he can have all right so the flyers might have another team in the metro that is good to deal mm-hmm. with which to be quite honest i wouldn't hate because uh, <laughs> the flyers need to be bad again but we'll see what happens there um all right, first time of the season. Give me a prediction for the final score of this game for which we have absolutely no basis to guess a score. Yeah, I will go with, um, let's say 5-3 with the fifth goal being an empty netter. 5-3 Blue Jackets? Yes. Yeah, that feels right. Um, yeah, I, I do think that, I mean, on the road. Is it the home opener? It has to be, Correct. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So home opener for the Blue Jackets feels like an easy loss for the Flyers, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say 3-2. 3-2 Beach. Okay. Yeah, that, again, it seems too low. I don't see the Jackets <laughs> allowing only two goals. Even against a team like the Flyers. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, you, sir, underestimates the Philadelphia I, but, Flyers' ability to shit the bed on any given evening. I'm a big Cam Atkinson fan. I think he's going to be motivated, you know, having been out for, you know, all of last season. Yeah. 
And being back in Columbus, you know, where he spends the summer, I think he loves playing here. I think he's going to be motivated to score. So I, I think he's going to get on the board for the Flyers. And yeah. the, the Jackets defense and Elvis and goal, they're going to, there's going to be at least one soft goal that they give up. But okay. I think the Jackets have the firepower. I think the crowd's going to be behind them. It's Adam Fantilli's 19th birthday. He's making its oh NHL my debut. God. So I think it, child. So I hope that he can score because that's just going to, the place is going to blow up then. And I think that can, yeah. I think the team could get off to a really good start here if they get the momentum from winning their first game. All right. Tell the folks where they can find you on the internet. Okay. Well, you know, obviously social media is, uh, you know, not as easy to find as it was before, no. but yeah. uh, we're at CBJ Cannon on uh on X and on uh, blue sky. And then most importantly, they'll go to jacketscanon.com. That is our website. Where we've got our writing there. Now part of this for hockey fans network, which we're very excited to be a part of. And we've got a season preview up on the main page there at forhockeyfans.com. So you can check that out for lots and lots of digital ink spilled about mm-hmm. <laughs> our thoughts on this team. And we've got lots of thoughts and this, uh, the jackets are that, that meme of like the lady yelling at her kid, like, why can't you just be normal? And the kids just in the back <laughs> in the backseat screaming. Like that that has been the jackets basically nonstop for the last five seasons. So yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. Always a party. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate this. And like Alex said, head on over to fourhockeyfans.com. Check out all of the content being produced by a bunch of people that you are probably going to recognize because mm-hmm. they uh, used to hang out with us at SB Nation. So um, check out the websites. If you are listening to this and you are not a subscriber to BroadStreetHockey.com, please consider subscribing. It helps us uh, keep the lights on and make some content like this that you might enjoy. So um, maybe consider throwing $5 a month at a website that you like. It's very cheap. <laughs> Anywho, um, thanks again, Alex. I hope that the game is a good one. Uh, I hope that we get to enjoy it. I yeah. don't know how many people listening to this podcast in the Philadelphia area will be watching it because the Phillies will be playing. But, oh, yeah. you know, it's extremely flyers to open the season directly competing against the Phillies possibly clinching the NLDS. So well, we're off uh, to a great start. I, I, as a Cleveland fan, I've hated the Braves since 1995. So I'm really pulling for the Phillies to win that series. Does anyone actually like the Braves, you think? I, I I can't imagine. I can't. You're right. Like, what's to like about them? Ugh, nothing, really. No, nothing. Icky. All right. <laughs> head on over to the Canon. Read up a little bit about the Blue Jackets. Head on over to 4hockeyfans.com. Read up on all of the league's wonderful hockey teams. And uh, enjoy the game. Go Flyers. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.